Welcome to Purdue Commercial Agcast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Mintert, director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture. And joining me today is Michael Langemeyer, professor of ag economics here at Purdue. Today we're going to discuss the crop insurance choices that corn and soybean growers need to make by March 15th. And Michael, you know, it's really interesting, of course, there's always this rush with respect to making the decisions. We have to wait until the end of February comes along so we know what the prices are that RMA is going to use to set premiums and what the coverage levels are going to be. And then we just have a couple of weeks to make these choices, right? So that's always a little bit of a scramble here in early March. Um, Let's review some basic definitions just to get everybody on the same page with respect to the coverage and so forth. So let's talk about what basic units are, optional units, enterprise units. And I guess we want to emphasize enterprise units. That's that's an issue for some folks that haven't taken those up in the past, but that could be an important choice, especially this year. Yeah, that's certainly the case. I mean, with premiums increasing this year, certainly you want to look at enterprise units and compare the cost of enterprise units to basic and optional units. Let's let's be clear in our definitions here before we get too far into the into the podcast. Uh, basic units is is just like the name uh, the name suggests is is kind of the the the, the standard uh, all, all that's compared to the other two uh, types of units. Basic units, all of one crop in a county for a specific share of production is a basic unit. So, for example, all the owned and cash rent land for one crop in one county is a basic unit. Each share rent landowner arrangement would be a separate basic unit. Uh, optional units, each farm and crop is insured separately, and so that would be that would insure uh, that would that would that would insure each farm and each crop, and so that's uh, that that would be uh, even more insurance than basic units. But of course, uh, with an optional unit, it's going to cost more uh, because you are you are insuring uh, uh, you are insuring each farm and each crop. Enterprise units is is, is the cheapest of the three uh, by quite a ways. And with enterprise units, uh, you add all the basic units in one county together for a single crop. Uh, and so you have one premium for, for that crop uh, in, in, in a specific county. And for most of the folks that are listening to this podcast, we would encourage you to look very strongly at the enterprise units. Because if you're thinking about insuring the revenue, for example, your corn enterprise, it allows you to do that at a much lower cost than the other two choices. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And I think from a downside risk standpoint, what what you're really trying to do in a lot of cases, you're trying to you're trying to ensure that corn enterprise, not necessarily that corn enterprise uh, for all these different basic units. And so and so the enterprise unit does a good job of protecting against downside risk in my mind. And you know, from an insurance company standpoint, you know, thinking about it from, from RMA's standpoint, um, the probability of loss on individual units, on individual fields, if you want to think of it that way, is higher. And that's one of the reasons the rates are higher on those, uh, those basic units and the optional units. Uh, but again, from a risk management standpoint, that's really not the focus for most of us. We're really thinking about the enterprise and the overall financial situation for the farm. That's the risk we really want to insure against. Yeah, and certainly the the enterprise units, your 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 likelihood of a payout is less because you're not going to get payouts as as, as frequently as you do uh, with basic units and optional units. But as you indicated, a lot of times the premium is substantially lower. One of the reasons why the premium is substantially lower is enterprise units is subsidized. E- 
even more uh, than basic and optional units. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, it, it's lower. And so obviously RMA would like you to go to the enterprise units. Uh, let's contrast some of the different uh, uh, products. We're not going to we're not going to talk in, in, in a lot of detail related to these because there is one particular product that uh, that most people uh, choose uh, in Indiana in the Corn Belt. Uh, one of the one of the the, the products that it's, it's it's real traditional product. It's been around for a long time. Is your yield policies, uh, both the area yield protection on the county level and yield protection for your individual farm. Uh, the problem with this with this particular product is it only protects against a drop in yield. Uh, it does not uh, protect you against a drop in, in price or yield. And so, if, uh, so for a lot of people, uh, they choose the revenue protection rather than the yield protection product. Uh, the revenue protection product, uh, you, it can be either at the area uh, level, and so it, it ensures against countywide revenue loss. And there is some individuals in the Corn Belt that do choose this policy. Uh, it does have coverage levels ranging from 70 to 90 percent. If you do choose an every area revenue protection, you certainly want to go to the highest coverage level uh, because uh, when, you, when you start thinking about risk and you start getting to those lower coverage levels, your chance of, of, of collecting get very, very small. Uh, and so and so that, that's just one, one, one rule of thumb that we use with the area revenue protection. If you're going to use that product, use the, use the highest coverage level. Uh, but the, the real workhorse in crop insurance is the revenue protection product. Um, and this ensures against revenue loss due to increase or decrease in price, uh, low yield, or a combination of these two. Uh, and to calculate the revenue protection, uh, you take your APH approved yield, you multiply that by your coverage level, and then you multiply it by the greater of projected price or harvest price. That's a very important that you understand. It's the greater of the projected price or the harvest price. And so at, at this time of year, when we talk about revenue guarantees, we're using the, pro the projected price to come up with those revenue protection guarantees. If we have an increase in price uh, from now uh, uh, until our harvest, if the harvest price is higher, in other words, uh, your revenue guarantee will go up. Uh, and, so, and so when we talk about revenue guarantees at this time of year, we're talking about a minimum revenue guarantee. Uh, you have choices of coverage levels of 50 to 85%. If we're looking at Indiana, uh, the northern Indiana, uh, as a rule of thumb, typically chooses that higher coverage level, that 85%. As you go further south and in Indiana, uh, many times the, the, the premium going uh, for the 85% product is relatively steep. And so uh, in southern Indiana, uh, they tend to choose 75 or 80% revenue protection uh, coverage. So, Michael, um, for the vast majority of the folks listening to this podcast, I think the revenue product is going to be the workhorse. Yes. Very, very high percentage of people here, not just in Indiana, but across a big chunk of the Corn Belt, that is the product of choice, right? And so now we come down to the nitty-gritty, right? Because what we were waiting for in the month of February was to find out what were these coverage prices going to be that were going to be included in or embedded in the revenue protection policy, what was going to be the change relative to last year, and the other factor that we don't normally talk too much about, and that is the volatility factor, right? So there's really three things that determine year-to-year -year changes in the premiums that you're going to pay for crop insurance. One is the price that's embedded, right, which is set based on the average price for these futures contracts during the month of February. The second one's how volatile prices are. The more volatile they are, the higher the premiums. 
And the third one is, for most of our listeners, they're probably looking at year-to-year increases in their APH, their average yield that they're insuring. And so that drives premiums up a little bit from one year to the next. Um, We're not going to talk too much about that one, but we are going to talk about those prices. Last year, the corn insurance price was 458. Michael, this year, 2022, 590 up 28%. Soybeans last year was 1187. This year, soybeans are 14 1433 up 21%. And so obviously some very large increases in projected price. That's driving uh, for the most part that increase in the premiums. Yes, volatility uh, matters of course and also your yield increase, but but really this year that 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 increase in the price for both corn and soybeans is really driving those higher premiums. But remember, we're going to talk about revenue guarantees for a specific example here, but remember uh, what you get something for that uh, with these higher prices is going to give you a higher guarantee because you always calculate, you always, you always evaluate your your APH yield, uh, you know, coverage level and price to come up with that guarantee. So higher price, higher guarantee. And you know this is a basic insurance principle, right? If you're insuring a house, the cost are, has a value of $100,000 versus one that has a value of $150,000. The premium is going to be higher on the $150,000 house than it is on the $100,000 house. So that's the same same idea, same principle here, right? And, and another thing to keep in mind with that with those, with those revenue guarantees is uh, let's just talk briefly about how much costs have come went up. I mean, we we said that the the corn price went up 28%. Uh, well, in other podcasts, we've talked about the increase in, in, in break-even prices for corn, it's up 25%. And so you need that higher revenue guarantee in a lot of cases this year because your costs have also increased substantially. So that's the way to think about it. Uh, the main thing, One of the main things I want to get across is, is just because the, the premiums are so much higher this year, uh, you might be tempted to reduce your coverage level. Think long and hard about doing that because your cost structure is different this year. Uh, and so you, you, may want to keep, you may want to keep that coverage level relatively high, even though the premium's higher because of that. I'd probably go a little further than that, Michael. I'd say almost unequivocally you want to keep your coverage level high to protect yourself because of the rise in cost, right? That's a good way to put Um, it. You mentioned the harvest price option, and I think it's instructive to go back and look at what happened last year with respect to the harvest price versus the prices that were projected on the first day of March last year. So we mentioned earlier, the projected price last year for corn was 458. The harvest price turned out to be 537, so it was higher. That meant that the revenue coverage that you were insuring was actually higher, ultimately, assuming you had that embedded in your policy, and the same way on soybeans. Soybeans in February last year averaged 1187. At harvest time, they averaged 1230. So a smaller percentage increase there, but still, in both cases, the coverage level went up, right? And that could certainly happen again this year. I mean, there's a, a wide possibility of, of, of possible prices this year, and, and you certainly could paint a scenario where the, where the harvest price could be higher this year. Or, or lower. <laughs> or, or, or stated another way, the risk level seems to be higher this year than, yes. than, than most years. Volatility is pretty high right now. 
And so let's talk a little bit about revenue guarantees. To do this, I'm going to look at White County specifically, and I'm using county average yields for White County. Obviously, they, it's going to vary a little bit uh, uh, depending on depending on the farm you're looking at, because I'm using 180 uh, a, a bushel APH, where you might have an APH that's higher or lower than that. But if we look at the uh, the 22 revenue guarantees, let's let's look at let's start by looking at the 85% product. Uh, last year, the the uh, 85 percent revenue protection product had a revenue guarantee of $822. This year, uh, we'll talk about the, the increase in premium, but this year that revenue guarantee is $903, and so an $80 increase in the revenue guarantee uh, for the 85 percent product. It's similar uh, looking at the 75 and 80 percent in terms of the increases, 75 to, $75 to $80 uh, increase in revenue, revenue guarantee, so substantially higher uh, revenue guarantees this year compared to 21. So Michael, just looking at it in percentage terms, uh, you know, 822 last year for that 85% product on this particular example, 903, so about a 10% bump in the revenue guarantee, yes. uh, despite the fact the percentage increase in price embedded in the policy was quite a bit higher than that, right? Yes. Uh, we want, do want to talk a little bit about supplemental coverage option. This is available if, if individuals uh, choose PLC. Um, at the end of the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know, our county versus PLC. Uh, but uh, uh, but if you choose PLC, you have this SCO available, and this cover this is county level coverage. And essentially, it, let's like let's say we choose 85% revenue protection. Uh, we're in White County. We use 85% revenue protection. Essentially, this gives you an additional one percent protection. So it goes from 86% down to your revenue protection uh, product. And, and for you know White County, that's probably only 1%. If you're moving down into southern Indiana, where you choose 80% revenue protection, uh, for, uh, for example, that would be 6%, you know, going from 86% uh, to 80%. I, at first glance, I might say, man, uh, you know, I, I, I look at this uh, SCO, and it's, it's pretty reasonable. That extra 1% in White County only costs you a dollar. That extra, that extra six percent. Let's say we looking at Knox County, and 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 we're and we use eighty percent revenue protection, and we're looking at SCO at eighty six percent. That additional six percent only costs us eight dollars. But there's a problem with that logic, uh, Jim, and I think we need to talk about that. You're mixing farm, farm yield coverage with county coverage, and quite frankly, I'll have you comment some more about this. Eighty six percent county coverage is not particularly great coverage. No, you're really not buying much. That's, that's the bottom line, right? And I guess uh, if you think about that coverage level picking up, you use the 80% example, which is probably the one that a lot of people might be thinking about. So you're picking up a 6% coverage at the county level. It's hard to drive county revenues down below that 86% mark. That doesn't happen very often. So more than likely what you're doing, using that Knox County example that you just pointed out, Michael, that $8 an acre, more than likely you've just bumped up your cost by $8 an acre in return for very little, very, very little. So we, you know, one of the things people like to talk about is, wow, crop insurance is expensive, you know, my outlays, et cetera, et cetera. All right. This is one way that I probably would not recommend the vast majority of our listeners pursue, right? This is, this is an expenditure you could probably omit. You're a lot better off from a risk management standpoint 
of looking at ways to enhance your coverage at the individual farm level. And you know, just to give an example, um, we've got some listeners, I'm sure, that are, that are using basic units. You'd be better off going to enterprise units if you're looking for ways to reduce cost than trying to buy the additional coverage coming out of SCO. It's just one comparison. Yes, I think that's a good comparison. And and, and if, if premium is, is a really big issue, you'd be better off even, I'm not suggesting you do this, but necessarily uh, be, because you're only protecting against drop in yield, you'd be better off going with the yield protection. You know, at least you have, at least you're protecting against a really dry year or, or a, a year with, with, with really low yields. That would even be better than going to SCO uh, in a lot of cases in my mind. And so, and so the bottom line, the reason, main reason we're covering SEO, this is not a game changer uh, when you're looking at the farm bill. Don't say, I, well, I need PLC because I want to buy SCO. No. Uh, you know, look at our county uh, and PLC separate from this SCO issue because it's just not that fabulous of a product. We also want to talk about enhanced coverage option. Uh, and so let's walk through our, our walk through some of the details related to this. This can be these can be purchased either at the 90% or 95% coverage levels as an enhancement or endorsement of an in, of an individual insurance plan such as re revenue protection or yield protection. And so essentially, uh, let's say we have 85% revenue protection and and we're looking for some more protection than that. We'd like to have a a bump uh, in our coverage level, you can choose this ECO at the 90% or 95% level, and essentially the coverage extends from the, from the selected level, let's look at 95% down to 86%. So you essentially get another 9% of protection uh, you know, down to that 86%. The problem here, of course, and this is why it gets difficult to, to, really, uh, to really get your hands around uh, you know, this enhanced coverage option with the revenue protection and yield protection product. The problem here is your coverage is based on county yields when you're talking about enhanced coverage option rather than farm yields. And so you're mixing yields there and your farm yields may or may not follow the county uh, you know, your county yields. And so it's hard to figure out exactly what kind of protection uh, you're, you're really getting uh, with this enhanced coverage, uh, coverage option. Uh, also, as we're going to talk about a little bit later here, this is extremely expensive. Going to either 90% or 90% 95% is not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, so you just pointed out one issue with the ECO, and this kind of applies to the SCO product as well, and that is what is the correlation between what goes on in your farm versus the county level? The other way to look at this is you know, the television ads these days are, are chuck full of ads for betting apps. And really what you're doing when you buy either SCO or ECO is you're placing a bet on the likelihood of a drop in revenue at the county level, um, which might not be highly correlated at all with what's going on in your farm, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's really what's, what's taking place here. And then it becomes a question of, well, what is the cost of that bet versus the likelihood of getting a payout on it? And you just alluded to this, the cost is quite high. Yeah. And from my standpoint, I think that makes it kind of a, a stopper right there. Let's look at let's look at some sample numbers to make that more clear. 
okay, we're going to use White County now. This would, it would the, the cost the, the cost would be would be higher uh, if you're talking uh, Southern Indiana, for example. Uh, but if we look at a revenue protection, 85% product with enterprise units, approximate premium per acre of $33 per acre for corn. That gives us a farm level revenue guarantee of approximately approximately $900. Uh, as we move to that 90% product, uh, we increase our we increase our premium uh, by by about $14, $15 over what the revenue protection was and we in, and we add additional county revenue guarantee of $53 and so you got a 15 additional dollars uh, a premium uh, and you get additional county revenue guarantee of, of $53 and again you know, if your farm and county yields do not necessarily match uh, it's it's hard you know sometimes hard to figure out what am I exactly getting uh, for my $15 in premium but it's a pretty substantial increase just to go to 90% now if we're going to go to 95%, you more than double uh, your, 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 your revenue protection, 85% uh, premium is more than double if you go to the 85% revenue protection plus uh, the ECO or enhanced coverage option, 95%. That's probably a little steeper than a lot of people are going to want to increase their, their premium. Yes, you do get an additional $105 uh, in county, county revenue guarantee, but at, at a substantial cost. You know, one of the ways that I like to look at this, Michael, and I think this matches up with your thinking as well, is, is I like to look at this from a long-term perspective. What's my crop insurance program look like on a multi-year basis? What am I going to do over the next five years, maybe the next 10 years? And then I start thinking about what's the probability of collecting on one of these products. And if you look at what's going on here, uh, go pushing in, in this example, pushing the uh, crop insurance cost for the 85% RP product from $33 an acre to, if you take that 95% example that you had, $69 an acre. Do I really want to do that for the next 10 years? That's an astronomical amount of money. Uh, so from a managerial standpoint, I think we both agree on this. We don't recommend this. No, I don't recommend 90% or 95% or SCO for that matter. Yeah. We, we, we really think people should be focused on the RP product. Uh, that fits the vast majority of situations. And if you're concerned about cost, and you, you should be, uh, we think you should be looking at enterprise units. Now, there's individual situations where enterprise units are not a, a, a good fit. And I, I have to say, on my own family, we've got a situation where that's not a good fit. So... There's a good reason why we have split that out. But look hard at that. Uh, for many, many of our listeners, I think the enterprise units, if you're looking for a way to uh, economize or reduce your cost on your crop insurance, that's the thing you should be looking at if you're looking to make a change and you're currently using the basic units or the optional units, either one. Uh, obviously, there is there is scenarios where the the the, uh, the county uh, the county coverage is going to pay out. Uh, those those scenarios, if you if you if with the harvest price is, is considerably lower, if the farm yields similar to what we thought it was going to be, and the harvest price is significantly lower, uh, you're going to get a payout from uh, from these advanced uh, uh, enhanced coverage options. Uh, um, but one of the situations where you don't get a payout, and this is something I want you to th think about, let's say that the 
projected and the harvest price is the same, 590. And our, our farm yield drops from 180, our trend yield, to 150. So we have a pretty large drop in our yield uh, at our farm level. And this can happen. You know, there's pockets in the county sometimes that, that uh, do, do have in, uh, inclemental weather. And, 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 and so their farm yields are significantly lower than the county yield. In that situation, you get a revenue protection payment because the yield has dropped enough to trigger the 85% uh, coverage level, but you don't get anything uh, on the on the ECO uh, simply because the county yield did not change. And so that's why we keep talking about how correlated is the county yield with your farm yield. You're not buying farm, farm level insurance. Just remember that. You're mixing and matching here. Uh, obviously, if, if, if both farm, if both the farm and the county yield uh, would decline, you'd get payments both from revenue protection and uh, the, the ECO products. So good point. So the soybeans are not that different. It's just that the premiums are lower because uh, it's a le less risky crop. Soybeans are more resilient, in other words. And so uh, for soybeans, looking again at White County, you're looking at about a $20 premium uh, for the revenue protection. So uh, that compares to the $33, $34 for corn, so significantly lower uh, uh, for soybeans. Uh, but quite frankly, your chance of triggering a payment for soybeans is lower because of that uh, resiliency or less variability in the yield. Uh, if you go to the, uh, the, uh, the ECO 90% or the ECO 95%, uh, you increase that premium from about $20 to about $28 for the 90% ECO coverage and about $41 uh, for the 95%. So just like with corn, uh, when you go to the 95%, you essentially double uh, your 85% your revenue protection premium. That's pretty steep. Uh, what do you get for that? Well, you get an additional $80 in county revenue guarantee. Uh, and just like corn, I don't necessarily Necessarily recommend uh, the, the SCO or either ECO product. You'd have to be in some some uh, circumstances where you really can't afford any downside risk or very little downside risk uh, to really consider those products. You know, um, we were talking before we started the podcast. Uh, one of our old colleagues at Kansas State, Art Barnaby, had a had a pretty simple way of looking at this in terms of your coverage level. And we'll talk more about this in a minute. But one way to think about this, and using the example that you had here, uh, Michael. You're picking up at that extreme end, $80 of additional coverage at the county level, by the way, yeah. for $20 of cost. Divide the 20 into 80, that's four. Yeah. You'd have to pick that up every fourth year, right? You'd have to get a payout from that to make this worthwhile 25% of the time. And, and that's if you're, that's assuming your farm and your county yields were quite correlated. And then you you take into account that they may not necessarily be that correlated. And it's even worse than that. Yeah. So, and, and I think, let's just talk about that yeah. for a little bit more because we were, you and I were looking at an example earlier, and maybe this is a good time to do it, yeah. Michael. We were looking at, for example, Knox County, Southern Indiana, and we know a lot of folks in Southern Indiana, instead of buying the 80 or 85% coverage, Many of them are kind of making decision point between 75 and 80, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just look at those coverage levels, the difference between 75 and 80% on corn in, in Knox County. You had that up. Yeah, it was about $12 increase in premium. 
for going from 75 to 80 percent for corn and you increased your revenue guarantee by 45 dollars and so you take the 45 divided by 12 you're looking at approximately four and so as you indicated it you'd have to have you'd have to have a, a situation where you're in the where you're in the where you're in the green in terms of payout every four years so you also looked at the comparison going from 70 to 75. Yes. There, and that looked quite a bit different. Yes, certainly 70%, I think, would be too low. And the reason why I say that, you know, for this example, you're only looking at a small increase in premium, $5, $5, $6, for a $45 increase in revenue guarantee. And so you take that 45 divided by 5, you're looking at uh, 9. And so that really, you, there, you don't need a, uh, you know, for, in that situation, you don't need to have a, a, a bad weather situation. Uh, you know, it could be pretty spread out, and it's still pace to go from that 70 to 75 and so another way of putting that is it, it's, it's pretty easy to go from 70 to 75 but you do need to think about in this particular case uh, 75 to 80 because that's that's getting a little steeper uh, in terms of cost and then we went from the we looked at 80 percent to 85 percent 85 percent would not be that typical uh, in southern Indiana uh, you're looking at the historical data that would be even more expensive you have an increase of 22 dollars in premium for corn and you have an increase of $45 in your revenue guarantee. And so that's every other year. You'd have to have a loss every other year uh, to really make that, that additional coverage pay. So that's a, uh, I like this approach because it's a very simple way to think about, you know, what it is I'm buying when I move from, say, 70 to 75 or 75 to 80 or 80 to 85% coverage in terms of what the cost is, what I'm getting back, and how I can make that decision. And I think a lot of our, our listeners, um, they have a lot of experience with the farmland that they're insuring, and they can, in their own mind, make up a decision pretty quickly with respect to, well, you know, what are the odds of triggering a loss? Uh, how often am I likely to trigger a loss uh, for that additional cost? And makes that decision process much, much easier, I think, maybe than, than uh, it is otherwise. Otherwise, it can be a little obtuse thinking about these differences in premiums versus difference in coverage levels. Another, another way to think about that is, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, maybe my farm's in a situation where I absolutely cannot withstand a 2012 or even a 2015 for northern Indiana. We had that really wet June and, and yields were not very good. I can't withstand losses that big. And so I, I, I pick a coverage level to make sure that in those years, I'm at least getting uh, getting indemnity payment and, and protecting myself on the downside, but but I don't necessarily need 85 percent because of the high premium. Uh, so so I, I can withstand you know a, you know loss once in a while and 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 save that 22 dollars per acre. And so that's just another another way to think intuitively about this. But I like I like the way you were, you were thinking about that, Jim. Is you compare that difference in premium to the difference in revenue guarantee. And and my rule of thumb is I, I like to. I use that uh, rule of thumb, but my my uh, my rule of thumb is once that premium difference gets above twenty dollars, I start to think, hmm, is that really going to be worth it for an individual county? Yeah, good point. All right, let's just kind of summarize some things here at the end, right? So we talked about different products. For the vast majority of our listeners, we think you probably ought to be looking very hard at the revenue protection product. Many of you probably already are, uh, and then the question is going to be, you know, what coverage level do you do? We talked about supplemental coverage option, SCO. Uh, the key point there is to remember that SCO is a county-level product. When you add SCO to an RP product, you're not adding the same level of coverage. You're adding a percentage coverage that sounds like 
it might be helping you out, uh, and it is a little bit, uh, but you're insuring at the county level on that SCO component. Enhanced coverage, same story. The percentages are different, but you're buying a county-level product. So they're, you're, if you buy either one of those, you're packaging an individual farm product with a county-level product. And by and large, our advice is, for the vast majority of people, we don't think that's a good way to go, you, right? Yes, I would agree with that. Just a, one other point on the SCO and the, and the ECO. You can buy ECO without SCO. In other words, you can buy ECO even if you've signed up for our county as a farm program. So we, we do need to make that very, very explicit. Uh, you don't necessarily have to sign up for, for price loss coverage uh, uh, for, for the ECO product. All right, so that kind of wraps things up for us. Um, you know, if, if you want some more details, uh, Michael and I do have a, a slide deck that we were kind of working through with this uh, podcast. We will post that with the podcast, and you might want to download that so you could look maybe at some of the numbers and some detail. And that provides the details about those choices. Right, let's just talk real briefly about the, the farm bill coverage, you know, farm bill options. Really, there's not that big a decision this year because we're so far out of the money, both with our county as PLC. You're, you're, you're highly, highly likely not to get any payment, to have a zero payment. And so choose, just leaving what you had for choices last year is probably what a lot of people are going to do. If I if I did I did have a recommendation, it, it would be if you were in, uh, if you were in our county for corn and soybeans, just stay there because that way of the price and yield both drop substantially. There is a chance for a payout, very small chance, but there is a chance, much stronger chance for a payout than there would be for PLC because the reference price is so low. If you were PLC with wheat, I would switch that to our county for the same reason. Uh, if we do see a, a large drop in price or yield, you're more likely to pick up a payment with uh, with the our county for wheat than you would for, for PLC. And so going, going with our county for for corn, soybeans, and wheat is probably the prudent thing to do. But but again, it's not going to make that much difference because very unlikely we're going to see any payment. Yeah, I think the bottom line and for people to think about is the likelihood of getting a payment from any of these programs in the 2022 crop year, very, very, very low. Not zero, but very, very, very low. Well below 25%, put it that way. So if you want some more details and you want to download the slide deck, depending on how you access this podcast, uh, if you're on our website already, you can probably see the slide deck out there. But if you're coming through one of the other podcast providers, just go to the Center for Commercial Ag's website, purdue.edu slash commercial ag, and look for the podcast. And you should find not only the podcast itself, but the slide deck that accompanies it uh, along with that. So you could have some of those details. Our next podcast will be released on Friday, March 11th. That follows USDA's release of updated world ag supply and demand estimates. And this could be a very interesting report, uh, given the changes going on with respect to, obviously, what's taking place in Ukraine, obviously, also what's taking place in South America. Unclear how any of that's going to shake out at this point. So this could be a very interesting supply-demand uh, report from USDA, and we'll, we'll discuss that. Um, Michael and I will also be at the Commodity Classic next week. And we have a presentation on that same day on Friday, March 11th. So if you're at the Classic, we hope to see you there. Uh, I think our session is the middle of the day around, I think it's either noon or 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So check your schedule if you happen to be at the Commodity Classic, and we'd love to visit with you down there. And we'll also have a booth at the Commodity Classic as well. So, so with that, I'm going to wrap things up, and I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And so on behalf of Michael Langemer and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Ag, I'm Jim Minter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.